Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. When I was a kid, I distinctly remember learning about the seven wonders of the ancient world. As I think back, they were the pyramids of Egypt, the only one of the seven still standing today. There were the hanging gardens of Babylon built by King Nebuchadnezzar to make his new wife feel at home. Another of the wonders was the statue of Zeus, carved at the site of the first Olympic Games and more than 40 feet high. Yet another was the great temple of Diana at Ephesus, a structure that took more than 120 years to build, was more than 400 feet long and wonderfully decorated with gold and jewels. There was the mausoleum of Carlinasmus, which was over 140 feet high. The Colossus of Rhodes was another one. It was 105 feet tall and stood at the entrance to the harbor. Finally, there was the Pharos of Alexander. It was a lighthouse more than 400 feet tall that guided ships into the harbor. These were all prodigious feats of engineering, and they all must have been marvelous to behold. There are those today who have proposed a list of modern-day wonders of the world, such things as the Suez Canal, the Eiffel Tower, the Golden Gate Bridge, the entire space program, and others have been suggested for inclusion in the list. But there is another, even more significant list of seven that I want to talk to you about today. I'm going to call it the seven blunders of the world. These have been chosen because they are fairly common attitudes in our society and because they have such momentous and eternal consequences. In John 8 verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. A terrible blunder made by this world is to believe that there is salvation available through any other means than Jesus. What more foolish mistake could a drowning man make than to refuse the life preserver thrown to him? Yet spiritually speaking, the majority of people do the same thing. The Bible teaches us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. As a result of our sin, we are separated from God and eternally lost. But by the grace of God, our Lord Jesus Christ came to this world and died so that we might enjoy the forgiveness of sins. But there are conditions, and one of those conditions is belief. It is a terrible blunder to reject the salvation that Jesus offers. So many say that it doesn't matter who you believe in, whether it be Moses, Jesus, Mohammed, Buddha, Krishna, or any other. 
But my friends, that is just not so. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. There is no other way. There is no other choice. Only through Jesus can salvation be enjoyed. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. For salvation, it is Jesus or no one. Many people have the idea that if I live a good life, then God will save me. But my friends, that is a terrible blunder. And so I include it as the second of our seven blunders of the world. No matter how good a life we may live, no matter how much good we may do in this world, that goodness alone will not save us. Remember Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, what can take away that sin? Is it my good works? Is it some plan I come up with that will make God owe me salvation? Well, let's let God answer that. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 27 and 28, as Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, this is what we find. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, we find, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. No matter how good we are, we can never erase or forgive one sin that we have committed. Only through the blood of Christ can man find forgiveness of sins. Cornelius was a good man, described in Acts chapter 10 as a devout man and one that feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. And yet he was lost. Peter tells us in Acts chapter 11 and verse 14 that the Cornelius had been told to send for him and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved. Think of Saul of Tarsus, later the Apostle Paul. He was an extraordinarily religious man, zealous for the law of Moses. He described himself in Philippians chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 this way, circumcised the eighth day, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. Many years after he became a Christian, Paul would say, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. At all times in his life, he had done what he believed was right in the sight of God. He was a good man, a religious man, but that was not enough. Without Jesus, there is no salvation. Another terrible blunder of the world, so bad and so common that we are including it in the list of seven, is looking at things that are seen. Let me explain what I mean by that. Going to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, we find Paul writing, For momentary light affliction 
is producing for us eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So many people put so much emphasis on the material things that they possess. So they spend their lives trying to make more money, to buy more things, to accumulate more wealth, and neglect what is really important, the spiritual. Jesus did say in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust decay, and where thieves do not break in or steal. In that same chapter, after showing that man should not worry about food and clothing because God will provide, Jesus added, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. At the end of time, at the final judgment, how much would anyone give to hear the Lord say, Enter in? I'll tell you how much anyone would give. Everything they had and more. How severe and terrible a blunder it is to live for this world and fail to make preparations for the next. Included in the list of the seven blunders of the world must be believing that belief alone will save. I've had people tell me, I don't care what you show me in the Bible. I believe in Jesus and that is all that I need to do. Please, don't misunderstand me. The Bible clearly teaches that we must believe in Jesus. But is that all we must do? Just believe? James asked the same question in James chapter 2 and verse 14. He wrote, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Can that faith save him? Well, let's see the answer he gave in verses 15 through 24. Surely this Holy Spirit-given answer exposes the awfulness of the blunder of faith or belief only. James wrote, If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see, a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. We must do what the Lord requires of us to be saved. We must believe. We must repent. We must confess our faith in Jesus as the Lord and be baptized for the remission of sins. Now when we have done those things, have we earned our salvation? 
No, but it will be just as Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 and verse 10. So to you, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. What is blunder number five? It is, I can worship God in my own way. In a discussion with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, Jesus said in verses 23 and 24 the following. He said, But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Note that God seeks worshipers, but he gives conditions for the worships to be accepted. It is to be in spirit and in truth. We are not left to our own devices as to what we are to do in worship. Let me give you just one example that hopefully all can learn from. God told Israel to offer incense using fire that he specified. But the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, decided to do it their way. They made but one change. They got fire for an unauthorized source. From Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, we read, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. No matter how devout, no matter how sincere they were, they could not decide what God would accept in worship. Neither can we. When God tells us what he wants through his word, our responsibility is to do just that. The sixth of the seven blunders of the world is for anyone to think, I'm too wicked, I'm too bad. I'm too far gone for God to save me. My friends, no one is really too far gone if he wants to be right with God. If a person will admit and recognize their lost condition and is willing to come back to God on God's terms, that person can be saved. My friends, those who nailed Jesus to the cross and those who shouted, crucify him, crucify him, could be saved. Those who put Christians to death could be saved. Remember Paul? The scriptures show that very wicked people can become Christians. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Paul wrote, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. These were terribly wicked people, but they were saved through their obedience to the gospel. You can be too. And then finally, the seventh blunder, I have lots of time. You don't know that, and neither do I. James wrote in James chapter 4, verse 14, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. 
You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. My friends, the exhortation to go is given to all in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. For he says, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. This is the time you have. Now is the time you know why. Make yourself right with God. The seven blunders of the modern world. Food for thought. Things to think about. Thanks for listening.